Welcome to the Alpha Girl Confidence Podcast, where we are empowering youth female athletes to play and live confidently. My name is Shay Hatto, and each week I will bring you new episodes to teach you the strategies and tools that you need in order to live a confident, empowered life both on and off the playing field. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. So on today's episode, I sat down with Emily Williams, who is an up-and-coming author and expert in female athlete relationships. Emily has been an active basketball player her entire life and is currently a coach to female athletes. After her basketball career, Emily started to devour books that guided her to become an empowered woman. Then, as she coached preteen girls, she realized that something was missing. No one was writing books for girls who were athletes that were in middle school on how to become empowered. So instead of begging someone to write the book, she did it herself. In her upcoming book, Lady Fleets, she discusses her personal journey to empowerment through the lessons she learned as a teenage athlete. In this episode, we dive into all things female athlete in relationships, such as how to build team chemistry, how to engage with mean girls, and how to be a strong leader. This episode is jam-packed with value for athletes, coaches, and parents, so get ready for an awesome episode. Enjoy. All right, Emily, thanks so much for coming on today's show. I'm super excited to have you and and learn more about you and really dig into uh, female athletes and relationships. So welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So before we really dive in, tell us a little bit more about your story and what you're currently working on. Yeah. So the long story is I was an athlete growing up. I specialized in basketball around age 12 and it kind of took me all the way through high school, pretty much right through my junior year until I had an injury that took me out. I just couldn't get back to that uh, competing level. So then I took college off and right, I think three months after that, I started coaching and I jumped right into coaching girls basketball. And that's what brought me to where I am today. What, what kind of injury did you have? Uh, so I had, oh, I can't even pronounce it anymore. Um, <laughs> patella injury. I have not okay. gonna pronounce it correctly. A patella injury injury where essentially my knee stopped tracking correctly. Okay. So essentially, cause I specialized my um, outer thighs were super strong from basketball, but my inner thighs were really weak. So the muscle actually wound up pulling my knees off track. Oh, dang. That's crazy. So yeah. what, what age did that happen? I was 16, 17 that okay, so- season. So you were just kind of at the, I mean, what, that's like a junior in high school. Yep. I sat a lot my junior year because I started the season with the injury and then I finished with a concussion. So it was really a great season (laughs) overall. There you go. That's, that's a, yeah, not very fun, but yeah, a lot of like, so when you started coaching, where were you in, in college at that point or were you done with, with your college career or your, you know, education? I just graduated that fall. Um, I graduated a semester early. So I graduated that fall and it was the next season. I was uh, emailing the rec team being like, Hey, do you need, or the rec department? Hey, do you need any like coaches thinking I was going to get a rec team that played like once a week. And they're like, we need our travel middle school team coach for the seventh grade girls team. So I just got thrown right in the deep end okay. when I started the coaching journey. Okay. Nice. Yeah. And I know like right now you're, you're working on a book, which, which we'll definitely get into that more towards the end, but you're working on a book and you're doing a lot of really awesome stuff with, you know, 
girls empowerment in sports and, you know, and supporting other women. Like I know you on your Instagram, you're always posting about other <laughs> women's in sports podcasts, which I think is really, really awesome. So a lot of the time, like with the girls I work with, I, I get a lot of questions around like, how can I help my, my teammates like me, or how can I build, help my teammates build chemistry? So a lot of like the female athlete and relationship, which I know you're an expert in. So one of the questions I got recently that I kind of want to start off with, um, that I think a lot of girls struggle with is how can a, a girl create, um, team chemistry as like a new player on the team? So they just kind of came on the team. How can they kind of start to develop those relationships? So I had a player who was new to our team when I was a freshman in high school. She was new to our school and no one really knew her, but she fit in so well. She kind of was able to take that step back as someone who definitely is a strong personality. And she started to understand and learn everyone. She'd get to know them. She'd ask their name. What are you into? Where do you live in town? And she just started to really build individual relationships first. And once she understood everyone as a person, she then could start building that team chemistry and start getting people to work together. And because she was able to communicate with everyone because she took the time to get to know each person, which I think is so valuable. Coaches should do it and other players should definitely do it. I love that. Like it's serious. That's so simple, but I think a lot of people think, oh, I have to go and do all these things when it's really like, if you want to form a relationship and chemistry, it's really, you have to get to know people on an individual level. So I love that where a player comes in and it's not about, Hey, this is me. Look at me, be my friend, but Hey, how can I learn about you? And how can I, you know, support you? So that's like, I don't think I've ever really heard that before in terms of developing relationships on a team. So that's, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And, and what about like, so let's say, uh, if you have a teammate that you, you get along really well with on the field, like there's, there's really good chemistry on the field, but you don't get along necessarily as, as friends or as people off the field, like how, how do you kind of teach on how to navigate that? Yes, this was a roadblock I actually hit. And I talk about it in my book, the specific relationship, because on the court, her and I knew where each other were, were able to read each other and where we want to kind of lead each other if there was a fast break or a play. Mm-hmm. And, but everyone, everyone across the entire program, we were on JV at this time, across the program knew we didn't like each other outside the court. <laughs> to, to the point we were doing a scrimmage against varsity and I dribbled intentionally into a t- uh, double team. Mm-hmm. I passed the ball behind my back. She grabs and goes for the layup. And the two varsity girls were like, don't you two hate each other? (laughs) It was like a very well-known thing. And I think I approached it the wrong way. I hit it head on and I hit it with conflict. I didn't hit it with resolution. I never approached her to say, what's going on between us? I would just either, we would do different types of drills where it might just get a little too physical and it would just create this building tension. And I would tell any player, don't do that. Don't hit conflict with conflict. It never Mm -hmm. goes well. Um, I try to hit it with resolution. And if you try to broach it, be like, hey, like, can we chat? Can we go get um, coffee? Can we go have lunch together and talk this out and try to understand what's going on here? If it does, if that doesn't work, bring it to your coach because some coaches don't notice that dynamic. I think maybe because I lived through it, I'm more in tune when I see a dynamic like that. I try to pull them aside and I try to force that conversation and try to force that hand a little bit and be like, mm-hmm. how about you two go work on this drill together <laughs> and talk about things? <laughs> they look at me like I have three heads, but I've watched right. it happen by being the leader 
and forcing that hand a little bit, it does help break down the wall that's there. And, and why do you think that's important? Cause a lot of people will say, well, you know, like as long as you're good on the court or on the field, like whatever, you don't have to like each other off the field. Right. So why do you think it's important to have the relationship both on and off? It, Cause sports are not just about that two hours you're at practice, that three hours you're at a game away game at home game. It's if it's a school team, you see each other in the hallways and you get to know each other. And I actually, so I've been digging through pictures, like old pictures from when I've been playing and I happen to go through other girls' socials that I played with. Mm-hmm. There are so many pictures where I wasn't in them. They went out without me. They would go to the movies because that one girl created relationships across the team. And essentially it went from being an off the court issue to an on the court yeah. issue because now I'm ostracized from the whole team, not just from her. So that's why you've got to make sure you're building that dynamic across and, and coaches need to worry about that because you don't want sports to be a negative moment in someone's life. You want it to be something positive they can look back on. Yeah. Like I actually, that made me think of like, I have players that I work with where, you know, maybe they, they get along with their teammates on, on the field, but like, then they'll, they'll see their teammates going out and, and doing stuff. Like maybe it's a tournament and they went and they went out to dinner and they didn't invite the player And so if there's a player that's kind of navigating, like feeling left out in those more social, um, you know, activities and stuff, what is something they can do to, to feel more involved or to have a conversation with those people, let them know how they're feeling? Like, what does that look like? I think sometimes, so groups of people are very similar. You have tend to have leaders and followers just in every group of people try to find someone who isn't headstrong and is more receptive to having a conversation so maybe not the leader of the pack but someone who and be like hey why don't why am I not getting invited but don't come out that blatant like start a normal conversation and lead into that and be like hey I really want to talk about why I'm not getting invited to the dinner after the tournament or why am I not included because if people are receptive to hearing these questions I think girls are definitely receptive to it especially if you broach someone who is at least nice to you on the court and it can eventually get kind of worked into other conversations like so next time can we invite so-and-so and because and, I've seen that happen too where I've had tournaments and we go out for lunch and then like five girls come and then the next day seven or eight girls come because they decide to invite the other players yeah. as the weekend went on so and like like put like putting parents into this right if it's younger players when like is there ever a, a time when you think parents should kind of like jump in and help? Or do you suggest like, hey, it's on you, like, you know, take responsibility for it? I think parents can also add to the toxic environment. So parents, I think, <laughs> need to be aware of how yeah. they're interacting with other parents, because I've yeah. seen that as well, where mm-hmm. I've had parents isolate another parent. And then that ultimately isolated the player. So parents definitely have to be aware of their relationships across the team. And yeah, if you're, I work with a lot of preteen girls too. If you're dealing with 10, 11, 12 year old girls, and you're all going to go to lunch, invite the other players. But at that high school level, I think that's when they can start kind of standing up on their own. And if your child comes to you and says, Hey, I don't understand what's going on. Teach them ways to engage and even role-playing is really helpful. I've always found that helpful when an adult would engage in that with me and be like, how would you ask the question and kind of work through that rather than 
Mm -hmm. I don't know. I had an eighties mom and the advice I always got was to ignore the problem. It'll work itself (laughs) out. (laughs) Yeah. And I love my mom and it was such innocent advice. Like if you ignore it, you won't feel anything about it. And that never was the case for me. I still felt something about it. I wanted Mm -hmm. to fix the problem. So making sure you're working, getting to a resolution rather than just pushing it aside. Yeah. And what I'm getting from all this so far is, is really, it comes down to communicating, right? And the thing that I see with a lot of girls is that they are afraid to, we're just going to use the word confront, although I don't think that's even the right word, but they're afraid to to have that conversation because they don't want to be seen as needy or they don't want to be disliked or like, you know, you know how, you know, preteens are, is it's like, it's always, you know, what are these girls going to think of me? So how can girls kind of get around that fear of like being judged when, when trying to have those conversations? I think I, the word I would use is engage because I don't, I wouldn't use confrontation because I'm thinking of like hostile, almost like aggressive, um, engaging creates almost that level playing field. And I think vulnerability, though, it may be scary. I think if you show someone you're vulnerable, especially girls are receptive to that. I've seen when players are kind of brash and like, they are very cut off. Those are girls I kind of stayed away from but when I had a girl telling me or crying because her boyfriend just like texted her that he's breaking up with her in the middle of a tournament I went over I was like let's work through your feelings so we can play well in the next game (laughs) right so I think vulnerability as much as it's scary it is a really powerful tool to open the dialogue okay I love that because I mean I think even in other contexts as well like the more vulnerable you are the more the more real you are and the more people will, will hear you and listen to you and be like, Oh, you know, like they're, they're just like me, like they're human too. So I I think that's a really awesome point. Yeah, for sure. So let's move a little bit to, uh, like mean girls, like, you know, that's, it's such a thing, right? It's like so many of the, the parents that I talk to and the players that I talk to, it's like, Oh, there's, there's a girl on my team and, and it really affects their confidence and, and a lot of other things too. So how can a player, and then we'll kind of talk on the parent side too, but let's say there's a mean girl on the team that maybe they're criticizing them a lot on the field, off the field court, whatever it is. Um, how can a player engage with a mean girl and kind of stand up for themselves? I think exactly. they need to stand up for themselves and they need to kind of call the person out on it, though depending, and that was kind of the situation I was in, this girl was just a nasty, mean girl. And I stood up for myself and it backfired. But I think what that does, at least from the adult perspective, is it puts a light on this person that like, oh, wait, we need to address this because though my coach at the time didn't notice it, the coach on the varsity team did. And he definitely put a spotlight on the problem and started trying to like work on breaking her down. So she, we could understand why she was doing that. So yeah. I think there's a couple ways to go about it. Um, definitely not head on like I did. I think having that gentler conversation is definitely a good way to face it. I think if it's so toxic and if it's other players are noticing it, yeah. you should, I actually started to disengage myself. I would actually hang out with a different set of girls on the team. So I could have that positive attitude, that positive vibe, which was what I was looking for. Yeah. And then if it gets to a point, bring it up to a parent or an mm-hmm. adult, because you are still kids and it's okay to ask for help. You're not alone. And trust me, bullies are everywhere. Workplace, sports, no matter where you are, there's going to be a bully and bouncing that off someone who has more experience than you will always get you to a resolution. Yeah. Like, okay. Do you, and I'm sure this depends totally on the situation, but do you think for the most part, it's better to 
almost just ignore a mean girl or engage and stand up for yourself to a mean girl. And I'm sure that, you know, like I said, the situation will vary, but generally. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it depends on how far into the relationship you are. Cause I think if she comes at you first with a quip, ignoring it almost will, um, like it will confuse her. She'll be like, Oh, you didn't react to me. And so she'll realize that that's not what bothers you. But that also then can escalate it because she might just start trying other tactics to get under your skin, Mm -hmm. which is another thing. I think I've experienced it. You've probably experienced it. You've probably witnessed it where it starts with, okay, I'm going to try coming at you this way. Oh, you didn't like that. I'll try another way. So that doesn't always diffuse the situation. So then after maybe a couple of attempts, you do confront and be like, why are you doing this? And I think asking the question why is really important because that will definitely, she'll be like, what do you mean? What, what? she can't say, what am I doing? She'll be like, what are you getting at? And be like, why do you say these things to me? Why do you treat me this way? And it then puts the onus on her to have to answer to her own actions. Mm, That's, I like that a lot. Just asking why that's, that's because that's not coming at it from like, like attacking, like, you know, confrontation, but more of just like having a conversation engaging. So I think that's a really good place to start at least. Yeah. Yeah. And then again, if it doesn't get resolved between you two, bringing a coach or another adult into it is a definitely yeah. acceptable answer. And speaking of coaches, right? Cause there are plenty of coaches that listen to this too. And some coaches are really good at, at noticing this kind of, these kind of dynamics on a team. And some of them are, are a little bit blind to it. Right. So what, yeah. what should a coach, I guess, look out for with kind of mean girl dynamics and how, how can they like spot that? So I think one thing that's very obvious is I always do a 15 minute warm up where they get to shoot around and do what they want. If you notice that, like, if you have a play- team of 12, if you have 10 girls on one end and two girls on the other end. That's like instant should be look what's going on. These two are by themselves while there's 10 over there. So there's a power dynamic there looking out for anyone doing kind of catty things. Like if they're taking balls away from other people, if they're like intentionally calling out names, because I've seen that like very blatantly and coaches not notice that. Um, Also just I don't know how to explain it, but some people just carry a bad attitude that could easily infiltrate a team. And then everyone's carrying that. And naturally you're going to have players who don't want to carry the bad attitude. They're there to learn and have fun. So that can also create an isolating environment. So just the red flags of things that you're noticing, if someone's not happy, if a girl just goes to the bathroom a lot during practice too, say like she's going to like cry or she just wants to be separated from the team, that's a big indicator. So any sort of isolation should just instantly be like, there's something going on here. Mm-hmm. And how, and how would a coach try to solve that, that, so that, that problem, I guess. Yeah. So if it's a one person isolation, I actually, every week I try to do like five minute one-on-ones with all my players oh, because cool. it's yeah. something I do in the working world where we have weekly one-on-ones with our um, managers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always find it helpful to do that with my players to be like, check in, how are you doing? How are you feeling? What do you want to work on this week? I think it gets a great building of trust between player and coach as well so sometimes a girl might open up during that so once you build that because you have to build trust with your player before they're going to tell you hey so and so is being mean to me you have to definitely build that trust so if you notice that and you've had this relationship being like what's going on with this girl is there something I need to know about uh I also I had a dynamic where I had a team split in half I essentially had two different halves of a team right 
which was crazy. Cause I'm like, oh, this was not the dynamic I was expecting. Yeah. I made them all sit and I very intentionally made them sit in a specific order. And we did like what I called warm and fuzzies where they had to pass the ball around, say something nice about the person who gave them the ball, say yeah. something nice about the girl who's getting the ball and then say something nice about themselves. So that breaks down barriers between coaches, uh, the players as well, because you're making them say something nice and they have to be genuine about it. And if they weren't, I would make them say something else. I love that. <laughs> to that force the point. Yeah. It's like, no, I love that. And I actually had a conversation with a coach recently who was asking me like what kind of, you know, team building activities. And I've had plenty of players that ask me, you know, I, I want to help my team chemistry. So do you have any specific, like, you know, that one you just gave was great, but specific kind of team building or team chemistry activities that, you know, can happen either on the court or off the court? Pasta dinners are great. I love those. I think getting everyone to some house, everyone's responsible for something that built some team camaraderie, uh, team sleepovers, though I like them. They can get a little dangerous, uh, depending on the age group. Uh, we had one where alcohol was introduced and then that just threw right. the whole team dynamic off. So yeah, I, I'd suggest it was made for the younger kids. Cause I'm not as concerned <laughs> about those <laughs> them, right. and experimenting with that. Um, I also suggest things like secret psych where you do like that gift giving thing mm-hmm. and just like little things like that, that brighten people's day and really build that camaraderie. At, when I was on a school team, we did theme days. So if it was like yeah. a home game, we would dress like the eighties or like in neon. And that was always really fun because in the hallway, everyone knew who was on the basketball team. <laughs> yeah. For sure. No, that like in college, we did something where like the upperclassmen would, would take, there was like groups of three and they would have to get to know an underclassman. And like after a week, you know, they'd have to give them a gift and present them and the gift to the whole team. So I really like that idea. Um, And then the theme days, like we had in college, like wacky hair Wednesday or like, like stuff like that. And then every, every year we had what was called wacky Wednesday, where we dressed up as in different themes. And it's just like doing little things like that, just kind of lightens things up, makes things fun, makes, you know, people kind of work together and get to know each other in different ways. So I love those ideas. Yeah. Those are always my, the theme days are my favorite because who didn't like not getting out of like your jeans and (laughs) t-shirt and wearing something completely ridiculous. No, I know. Yeah. I love those. Those are like my best memories is doing like weird stuff like that with my teammates. Yeah. Cool. So I want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, leadership in the sense of a lot of girls, they want to, they want to speak up, they want to be a leader, but their biggest fear is I don't want to be bossy. Right. I don't, I don't want to be bossy and I don't want people to think that I'm being mean and criticizing and all that kind of stuff. So what are, what is your kind of advice for players who want to step into a leadership role without seeming quote bossy? Yeah. So first of all, if little girls, if if little boys were called what that name, it would be called a leader, not bossy. So that's totally a stigmatized thing. Because girls, if they speak out, they're called bossy and really are not. You're just showing your leadership skills Mm -hmm. through your actions. So don't feel like you're going to be bossy. I think what you should be concerned about is being taken the wrong way uh, by another player, like criticizing someone when you're really just trying to help. So something that I learned quickly as a coach, instead of telling a player what they were doing wrong, uh, it's called a compliment sandwich. You tell them something they're doing well. Then you give them the piece of advice you want to give them. Then you give them another compliment. People are really receptive to that because they're hearing the good things with the bad things. Uh, Something that happens if you 
if you insult someone, it releases cortisol. But if you compliment someone, it releases, I think, serotonin. And unfortunately, it takes way more serotonin to override the cortisol. Yeah. So that's why the compliment sandwich works because you're hitting two compliments with one piece of criticism, but also being gentle about it. Uh, yep. I hated being t- told by other girls my own age, like, you need to dribble better with your left hand. And I'm like, yeah. I know I do. Don't pick on my things and <laughs> like my little things that I know I'm doing wrong. And also maybe asking like, Hey, are you aware that? Because Mm -hmm. it opens up again, opening up the dialogue, rather saying you're doing this wrong. You're asking if they know they are. And if they say, yes, you can back off. If they say no, could you, and then maybe they say, could you help me? Again, getting that conversation to happen rather than just like directions Mm -hmm. makes people more receptive to you. Yeah. And with the the question of, Hey, are you aware of this also could be asking permission? Like, Hey, do you mind if I give you some advice on how to shoot the ball better? Right. And yes. getting permission to give the feedback also, because if they say yes, then it, it's coming from a place of help, not coming from a place of criticism. Exactly. Yeah. You just want to make sure as a leader, you're in control of the dialogue and the dialogue always should be positive. It should never be negative because especially at the age that these girls that we're talking about at that preteen to teen social acceptance is really important. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to seem like the negative Nancy because then that can also, you could isolate yourself by accident. Yeah. And another point with, with leadership and giving, I I love the compliment sandwich. Like that's something that I will, will tell my players to do as well. It's, it's, and and parents too, I'll say same thing to parents, but I think as a player, it's important if you are going to give feedback on something, you better be working your butt off to do that thing. Right. Right. Because no one's going to listen to you if you're saying, Hey, you need to work harder, but you're like lollygagging. Like that's never going to look well, look right. Yes. Yeah. You never want to be. So so, yeah, I I can think of a girl who's always really good at shooting. If she said, Hey, do you want to work in shooting form? I'd probably be way more receptive than someone who I knew like they puck the ball. I'd be like, uh, no, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. So if, if you're going to give advice, like make sure it's not, we're not saying that you have to be perfect at the thing, but you at least have to be willing to, to try and, and to work hard and, and doing the thing. So yeah, that's great. Cool. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, we talked about being bossy and how that's yeah. such a stereotype for girls. Like, why do you think, like, do you feel like in, in the parents that are parents now to preteens, do you feel like that's still a word that's overused or do you feel like we're starting to get away from that? I would love to think that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a friend who's a parent and we were talking, she's a little boy and she had a, they had a play date and she was with two girls mm-hmm. and her son's like running around, like doing all this stuff. And the girls just sat there and she's like, girls are just so polite and so easy. And yeah. my brain was like, do you know what you just said? <laughs> like I had to stop her and be like, did you hear the word you just used? She's like, what do you mean? I was like, your son is wreaking havoc. And these girls are just sitting and watching a movie and behaving. And you just like use diminutive words with them. Mm. And that still happens. I see it. I see parents doing it. I mean, I, I work with enough kids that I've witnessed it. So it's yeah. all about cultivating in a positive way and supporting without having to like if because if a person's yelling at an if a girl is yelling at another girl like to demanding to do something I would say she's being bossy but if you're saying hey let's go do this and the other girl doesn't want to you should be like that's okay now you have to like if we're talking about like little kids that's okay suggest something else to encourage yeah. 
the asking behavior instead of coming down and being like, stop being so bossy. Cause really she was just asking if we wanted to do something and yeah. little kids don't always understand no right away. Yeah. So. And it's crazy. I was like, while you were talking about, it, I was thinking like, when do we ever call boys bossy? Like not very often, you know what I mean? No, you know, it's like- you know, no they're natural born leaders. They're figuring it out. Let boys be boys. And all these yeah. positive, encouraging things, we should be flipping the script and using them with girls. Cause as you can see, it's built their character. It's built their ego. It's built them up to feel confident. And we want to essentially translate that over to girls. Yeah. I mean, that'd be nice. <laughs> yeah. Like how can, how can parents, I guess it obviously first comes awareness and like how you're using those, those words, but like, what can they do to kind of flip the narrative around those um, uh, what's the word used? Not derogatory, but, uh, that's definitely not Demi- the word. Demeaning. <laughs> Diminutive. Yes. Yes. Diminutive. Is that the word? Yes. That's a yes, great like, word. Um, <laughs> there well, you go. Latin classes serve me well. <laughs> there you go. So how can they kind of, you know, be more aware of their language with those words and start to kind of shift the, the narrative around those? See how your child reacts, because sometimes it might not be the word. It might be the tone. So mm-hmm. if you notice your child's behavior changing into being more Mm-hmm. Uh, more like they I don't want to say like submissive but going from being this big outgoing kid to all of a sudden being like quieter and more just like taking suggestion rather than like coming up with their own ideas that could be one way because then you definitely know at this point your lessons of tone is switched what they're doing so I think supporting them when they have an idea or instead of um, telling them no redirections a really positive way just so they keep their confidence up and you're supporting them you're just redirecting it to something you want them to do like mom I want to jump on mom I want to jump on top of the stove let's not do that let's go jump outside (laughs) (laughs) get to do their activity just not in a dangerous way (laughs) (laughs) I like that and it's simple but yeah yeah that makes sense. Okay, cool. So let's let's talk about your book a little bit. So yeah. um, what's the title of it? And kind of give us a little uh, synopsis of what, it, what it's all about. Yeah, so I wrote this book, Lady Sleeps. And the title to me is really important because essentially I grew up in the generation where a lot of our sports teams were gendered. So I grew up, I'm in Massachusetts. There's a town that has the uh, mascot called the canal men because there's a canal. And so instead of re-changing their mascot for all the girls teams to make it more inclusive, they threw the word lady in front of it. Oh yeah. <laughs> and what I was on a basketball me, team with that. <laughs> yes. And what bothers me is when I looked up and it, at first I was like, oh, that might be cool. But then my gut was like, no, something's wrong about this. So then I did some research. The word lady actually means to pay homage to a knight or lover. Oh, wow. So essentially by saying you're the lady canalman, your team is a homage to the boys team. And that bothered me. That yeah. instantly was like, no, they're their own people. <laughs> they're their own team and they could be better than the boys. You know, all these other things just started popping up. So I named it Lady Sleeps as a kind of reclaiming of the word lady. Like, fine, you want to call us that? We're going to be empowered and we're going to be strong instead of whatever you were trying to do. And it might have <laughs> been innocent. It probably was innocent right. and probably... But it's still there. It's literally, I think, the second definition of the word. Because I think the first one's like a prim and proper woman. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, oh, that's not, I don't know if that's any better. No. <laughs> so, so it just, it bothered me. So I re- tried to, I'm trying to reclaim that word and try to make it empowering instead of um, the opposite I of what empower. Well, yeah. do, you, do you have a hashtag with that? 
I do. I have hashtag no. lady sleeps. So if you want to go chat about being an empowered athlete, that's, that's the one to use. Nice. Uh, so the book as a synopsis is essentially five sections that walk through different problems that I've faced. And what I feel like a lot of girls face through my conversations with either players or former players, teammates, coaches. So each section is kind of standalone and it's all the talk you through. Here's the problem you might face. Here is a way to solve it. That's going to be impactful and get you the results you would like. And then kind of the conclusion of you did it. It's great. And here's all the positive things that can come out of that. It's really supposed to walk us through problems. Cause I think what happened to me a lot as an athlete is I would ask questions like, how, how should I be a leader? And I would just get told like, Oh, just guide the team. What <laughs> right. does that mean? <laughs> what yeah, does that mean? Yeah. Or, or I'd have these relationship snags and I didn't know how to work through it. And I would get frustrated and I would just quit. I would just be like, no, I'm just not going to be a part of this team. I'm just going to do my thing and wait till the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are so many different scenarios. And I even, I talk the relationships I have talked about romantic relationships and that impact on sports because yeah. you're in an age where that's going to be a part of your life and just be aware of all the different impacts these different facets can have uh, my favorite one I think is working through emotion because I think a lot of the time athletes are told to shove it down and ignore it and get through the game totally. but really that's the opposite of what you should be doing you should take the minute for yourself and acknowledge it and I kind of talk through different ways to how to acknowledge your feelings so you can move past it so you can still be the best person you are man this sounds so incredible like obviously it's for you know for athletes but it also would be a really great read for coaches and parents as well yeah definitely. Cause I I've actually had coaches ask me like, should I read this? I'm like, if you want to understand what's going through your player's mind, I would say so. <laughs> I hope I organized it in a way you can understand it because especially for coaches, as we were talking earlier, identifying a player who's having a bad day. I mean, I don't know if you've seen it. I've seen it. I've had players just start practice crying yeah. and figuring out how you give them that space instead of forcing them to do the drill because I was forced to do the drill and that did not help me <laughs> through the rest of practice. Or if you notice a player who wants to be a leader, how do you encourage that and kind of help them cultivate their skills? Because I think coaches really are trying to be mentors. They really want to build these bonds with players. And I think this book will help open that conversation. Oh, I love it. When, when is it available and like, where will it be available? So I'm looking at March for my launch. I'm super excited. So I will have a formal date, I think in the next week. So that's really exciting. And it's going to be available on Amazon and then hopefully booksellers from there. Love it. Okay, cool. So once it's out, like we will push it out, like, cause I think it's, it's super, super needed and going to be really valuable for players, coaches, and parents. So I'm excited for it to, to come out. And then like, what, like how, how, when did you start writing it? Um, what inspired you to, to start writing this book? So I'm the one positive thing that came out of COVID was this book uh, because I couldn't coach. These are messages I tried to give my players throughout every season. And just these dialogues I was having that I was missing because I didn't have players. I didn't have anyone to tell it to. So I was talking with a colleague of mine and she's like, you have all this knowledge just to share. I'm like, and I have no one to share it with. (laughs) So I was just, one day I woke up, I was like, I want to write this book. I want to put it down so it can hit the audience. Cause at that time, I didn't know if my season was get canceled. Actually the town season did get canceled. So I didn't get to coach in that competitive league over the winter. So this gave me an opportunity to hit that broader audience and continue to push the message of empowering girls through sports out there. 
Love it. Well, I'll just tell you as a, as a fellow author, there is nothing more fulfilling than putting a book out there and, and just seeing, you know, girls read it and, and get out a lot out of it. Like when I wrote my book, I was like, you know, I don't know how well it's going to do. And if it helps one girl, it was worth it. Um, you know, and it's, it's done awesome. So I, I think yours will do the same and, and I'm super excited to read it myself. Awesome. Thank you. Yes. No, that's how I feel. I'm like, if I can change one girl's life, yeah. I'm satisfied. I did my job <laughs> yep. and it was worth all the time and effort. Yep. Absolutely. So when, when it does launch, um, so in the show notes, if we just link to your website, eventually will people be able to find it there? Yes, they will. And also I'm going to send you a link uh, from there. It will essentially get you my notes from the author. So awesome. you'll get a little sneak peek into my brain and behind the scenes mm-hmm. and why I wrote the book. So you'll have that to also share in your show notes. Nice. Love it. Well, as we kind of bring this to a close, if you could offer like one piece of advice or maybe the most important lesson you learned as an athlete, what advice would you like to impart on the listeners? I think the biggest piece of advice is continuing to believe in yourself as a person, as an athlete overall, you're going to have highs, lows, and plateaus. And just to keep working through them to know that there's always a better day coming. Mm. Oh gosh. Mic drop. I love that. I don't want to drop my (laughs) mic. I don't want to break it. No, don't do that. (laughs) Ah, That was beautiful. And so in addition to your website, where else can people connect with you on social media, reach out to you, all that good stuff. Yes, I'm on Instagram at, at Coach Emily Williams. I'm on Facebook. Um, that's still the author, Emily Williams. I have my website, emilytheauthor.com. And also, I just joined the Female Athletic Network. So that's kind of another social mm-hmm. media platform I'm on there. Emily Williams, I'm, I'm around. Come find me. Yay, awesome. We'll link all of that so that players, parents, coaches, all of the people can reach out to you. Um, But thank you again so much for coming on. I know I got a lot of value on it, things that I'll take and teach to my girls. So I I hope everyone listening got a lot of value on it. Um, So thank you, Emily, for coming on. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you.